Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hey there, this is Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host, Robert Beeson, and I'm with a very fuzzy man. What's your name? Uh, Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad, the fuzzy man. Uh, good to have you, Pastor Brad. I've never been called the As fuzzy my, man. Well, I'm calling you. Did you know, Brad, there's no angry way to say the word bubbles? Were you aware of that? Mm. Try it. Bubbles. Say it. No, say it angry. Uh, bubbles. Yeah. See? Yeah, it's hard. It doesn't it? work. You doesn't... can't do it. You know, uh, hmm. Bubbles. No, no it doesn't. It doesn't work. happen. I think it's fascinating. We've been. Um, well, you try. It. I want to hear. Maybe you could do it. Bubbles. That's that, kind of that closer. kind of sounded kind angry. Of word, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Well, maybe that... we just set a record or something. I don't know, man. Uh, so we try to once a once an episode talk about something positive. Not that there's nothing that we talk about positive on the podcast, but it just seems like in this world that there's so much negative surrounding us that we've been kind of deliberate this year and and tried to find some things that we could like illuminate that are not negative. And so glass half full, glass half full kind of thing. So, well, yeah. And you in particular, this is a good discipline for you to develop Robert. Cause you're a cynic. You think I'm a cynic? I do. You are always looking for reasons why these good statistics exist. No, I have to disagree. See, you've been, that. you, when I talked about, the high school graduation rate being the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. What was your comment? That's fantastic. No, it was not. Go back to the podcast, folks. Go back three or four weeks, and you will see Robert said, that's because we keep lowering our standards. <laughs> Cynic. Well. So here's a positive for you. Seahorses get married. They do not. They do, and too. how do we know that? Hey, it's on do the we fact know? sheet. They will intertwine their tails to stick together while floating through the ocean. They're not alone in this world. They stick together. But that doesn't mean they're getting married. Well, it's like a ring to them. Since when? Maybe they're just like, so, you're peculiar. I want to wrap go, my tail around you. Do you remember Jacques Cousteau? Don't yeah. mess with the legends, okay? okay? I'm sure it was he who discovered this. I don't mean to be cynical, but that seems like a little bit of a stretch. Well, anyway. the point is that there are always good things that are happening, even when the world is going crazy. That's true. You can find good things in it, That's right? That's true. But if we are so desperate that we're looking for seahorses to be the thing that keeps us buoyant in our life, I think we're struggling. Well, one of the reasons we do this podcast is to bring some good news to the hearts and minds of families who are trying to raise their kids to be Christians in a culture that's hostile. Well, here's some more good news. We have a great guest today. Jennifer Shaw is with us, and um, we couldn't be more excited to have you, Jennifer. I'm so sorry you had to witness that um, onslaught at the top of this. Um, We just get a little feisty, and Brad, as he told you before we got on air, has been medicated all morning. So. Lots, of, lots of caffeine. Lots of yeah. caffeine and cold medicine. We're all kind of doing that. So welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you. I, I have to say that is the first time I've ever been introduced with seahorses. Well, yeah. And um, I'm yeah. sorry for that. And you'll always remember <laughs> us because of that. Maybe, I will. Maybe. I will. So Jennifer, I'm excited to have you here to talk about parenting because one of the things I love about your story, and I'm going to let you get into that in just a, in a second, is is just the unusual path that God has taken you down, one that you you 
write in your bio or it's written about you in your bio that the things that you've done, the things that are in front of you, you never would have anticipated those things being a reality. So um, why don't you take us back and just give us a quick overview of how you find yourself where you are, an author, a speaker, a musician, and all those things were not by your design. No, it has been a very unusual ride. Um, I started off as a classical musician. I was going to do that for my life. I was in New York for a while as an opera singer. Um, my undergrad degree is in piano performance. When I moved um, back to my hometown, which is Columbus, Ohio, it was to teach opera at a university here. And I was singing with the Columbus Symphony and just thought that was what I was going to be doing. And I had a church approach me kind of on the side and ask if I'd be their music director. And I said, I'd be happy to try that. That sounded great. I had a little extra time kind of a thing. <laughs> and they wanted me to transition them to contemporary music. And I tried to explain to them that I had no idea how to do that. I would be terrible. And they were like, no, because no, you were we classically prayed about trained, it, right? you know, yeah, because I was classical, yeah. And so I prayed about it and felt like I was supposed to take the job and just had no idea what I was doing, um, but tried to learn and started writing music for the band at that church. And then we had a time that I kind of call my refining fire, where just everything in our personal lives was falling apart kind of all at the same time. Um our youngest child got a very difficult diagnosis in that time. My dad um, was got ill with Lou Gehrig's disease. I had a life-threatening emergency. We had a lot of things happening. And in that time, I made my dad an album of worship music that I had written for the church. I never hmm. thought anyone would hear it but my dad. And it ended up doing really well on the radio, which was very unexpected. And so it was one way we saw Romans 8.28 kind of come to life in that time, that God will use all things for good for those who love him. Now, not, you know, the way I expected or wanted it to be, but it was what sort of made us wonder, you know, was there a ministry that was going to come out of this? Was there a different direction maybe God had for us? And so we decided to pursue um, this ministry. And as I was telling the songs behind the stories behind the songs I was writing, um, that sort of morphed into speaking. And now for the last maybe 12 years, I've been um, speaking around the country and doing music and telling people um, the gospel and just having a really different life than I pictured. And um and so much joy in it, though. <clears throat> I think one of the things I've learned is that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And Very he's good. really put me in a place that I love and get to tell people about him, which is a joy. You know, I think uh, as, as I've been listening in and sort of uh, I've read her bio as well, and kind of she's, she's a quite accomplished musician, mm -hmm. writer. She's very creative. And yet uh, in the middle of all that, development uh it's like god was developing your spiritual stamina like he was your creative experiences yeah um, i would say that's yeah that's really true i i was uh, not a i met the lord in my 20s you know i i was kind of a uh met him a little later in life and i feel like a lot of what we went through taught me that um you know i'm kind of a i'm also a cynic i'm kind of a doubter and a questioner 
And I remember thinking, um, you know, I more like I, I came to faith thinking I'll give this a shot, like maybe this is real. But it was the hard things in my life that really drove me to the scripture, made me really want to dig into what did God actually promise us about this? What does he say about this? And then made me realize that, you know, he was faithful to every promise he made and he was able to carry us through everything we went through. And so that really was transformational. And that has been for me a solid foundation that I've been able to stand on um, through these hard things. And then also, you know, our life has taken another turn in the last few years um, because we have three biological children. But we also adopted uh, three older kids um, with medical needs from China in the last couple of years. Three? And so you that's adopted three turn. additional kids? Yeah, three wow. more. So I have, I have six now. Wow. <laughs> Which is a lot for me. <laughs> no, I get it. I have six too. I was a single dad for many years and uh, remarried. She had three boys. I had three girls. So I get house full of six. It's, it's, uh, oh, I, bet, I bet you've never heard Brady Bunch before, have never. you? No, never. No, no. Has that what occurred to you? I've never heard that before. <laughs> That's really fascinating. I completely yeah. um, agree with you, by the way, Jennifer, that, you know, um, Sometimes it's the harder things. In fact, I would say almost exclusively, it's the hard things in life when those things are stripped away that we we come to a full understanding of who God is and His pursuit of us. And um, His pursuit of us has nothing to do with our performance or what we bring or our training or expertise. And and that's where you know I encountered my real right relationship. Or, <coughs> excuse me, was transformed because of walking through hard things. And I became more of a cynic on the things that I used to put a lot of security in. And I saw how temporary and how, um, how, how shallow those things were. And so I, I completely resonate with what you're saying. And I think the thing that is interesting to me is that it's because of those hard things that it prepares us for what we have in front of us, which for you among other things is, is now parenting three adoptive adopted kids from with medical needs or special needs from another country. And that's remarkable that he has chosen. I mean, if, if I would have told you this 15, 10 years ago, that this is, this is where you'd be, you'd probably laugh at me in the same way as Brad and I look at our lives and go, if you would have told us that we'd be doing what we're doing now, we'd say, you're absolutely crazy, but God uses the stuff that's hard, right. To prepare us. Uh, absolutely. I know. Actually, I say that all the time. I never, I never saw this coming. You know, I, I love my kids. I, I can't think of anything I really um, value more on this earth, you know, other than Jesus, than my family, you know, and I love being a mom, but it's kind of hilarious that I have six kids. Like, I'm not that kind of a person, <laughs> you know, when people, like people say, I don't know, that's like... I have, I always knew I would like my kids and I would try to be a good mom, but like, I wasn't the one you called to babysit kind of a thing. You know? <laughs> That's so funny. So it's, uh, it's really funny to me, but I love it. And, um, yeah, even I would say Noah came home, our first adoption, he came home about three and a half years ago. So even if you'd asked me five years ago, I'm not sure. Hmm. I knew adoption was, you know, potentially on the table, but... Um, what has uh, been the most own? challenging thing about... Um, I, I can imagine how challenging it would be, but for from your perspective, what's been the most challenging thing about raising um, about, kids with special um, needs? 
Uh, about special needs in particular? Yes. Um, I would say uh, I, uh, two things come to mind immediately. One is um, I remember especially uh, with our, our biological son, we, we have three bio kids, and our youngest also was um, diagnosed very young with extreme sensory processing disorder, which is it's related to autism in that if you're autistic, you have it, but you can have it and not be autistic, which was the case with our son, but it was so severe for him that he couldn't eat or play or be touched or go outside. Um, he just, he, he didn't function. And one very clear struggle for me at the beginning was um, other people's perceptions of him. Mm, that yeah. was really hard for me because I would look at him and I would see my blessing. And I knew, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It was so hard, but I could tell he was, I loved him so dearly and he was so valuable and precious to me. And I knew people saw him and saw something else and that just hurt my heart. Mm. And then the other thing that was so difficult was just feeling so inadequate, you know, just feeling like I don't, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know. I don't have any experience with this. I don't know how to find resources for this. And I've learned a lot. You know, you learn it's a trial by fire. Um, and now actually try very hard to help other parents know how to connect, like what resources are out there and how do you get help and all that. In fact, I wrote a book um, because I had so many parents contacting me that I finally I wrote a book about Toby in particular. It's now an autism speaks resource and that's called um, Life Not Typical. Um, how special needs parenting changed my faith in my song, but I wrote that on purpose because I, I I had one mom stop me at the pool and give me some really great advice. Her son was autistic, and she gave me some really great advice. And I thought I want this book hmm. to be that sort of God moment at the pool <laughs> that helps someone else know how to get help because you do you feel alone and inadequate. What it's was that one bit of advice feel. that you were given at the pool? Well, she at the pool, she just was telling me how to uh, how to connect to early intervention services that I, I honestly didn't even know existed. And they do. They exist in all 50 states. There's an early intervention program um, in all 50 states. I Unfortunately, they didn't pick one name, even though it's a federal program. So it's a huh. different name in every <laughs> state. So that's frustrating. It sounds like but, our government. Yeah, it does. It's just unnecessarily complicated. But um but I tell people, if your child's under three, that program exists. And if they're under three, you can call your school district and they'll at least know the name of it. Hmm. And um, they will test your child for free They, if your child qualifies. And this is for any special need. This isn't just, um, you know, autism or spectrum disorders. They'll test for free and they'll give you free services. And um, it's an, it's, it was awesome. literally life-changing for us. Well, you know, the pastor's heart in me is listening. Um, there, There is a process, and we as Christians refer to it as getting to know God better. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, these difficult moments of life, the firestorm uh, leads to a deeper understanding of God. But I want to sort of probe that a little bit and ask the question, what is it that you discover when things are going wrong that you don't discover when things are going right? You know, I am a very self-sufficient person. And I one of the quotes that has meant a lot to me is from Corey Ten Boom. She says, you never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Hmm. 
Mm. And when you put me in a situation where I am not enough, I can't do it. I have I have done what I know and it's not working. Um, I can't get my child to eat or talk. I can't fix this. And you turn to God and you say, you know, Lord, I don't even know how I'm going to move forward here. And I'm not saying that that is then when God waves his magic wand and makes it all better. But it is when God lets you know he's with you and he is faithful and that he loves your kid more than you do, which even though you can't imagine, how could how could that even be possible? And that, you know, there is a plan for their life. There's a plan for your life. You know, if we can be faithful to God, he is always faithful to us. Those are the things I learned in those dark moments, you know, that it doesn't matter that I am not enough because God always is. Yeah, I can hear the emotion in your voice. I can feel it. I'm thinking of moments in my life where I was in that same place. I didn't have adoptive special needs kids, but I had my moments. And Mm -hmm. uh, our listeners right now, you may be in those moments. And one of the things that I've learned is that my assumptions about God were sort of broken down by my circumstances to the point where I had to recalibrate who and how I viewed God. Um, And I read in your bio a similar statement. You said this, I've learned that whether God's answer is yes or whether it's no, nothing changes the character of God. Yeah. That is a fantastic quote. And uh, I applaud you for going through the fire and not just giving up in the middle of it. Well, it's true. I mean, when Toby was at his worst was actually when my dad was also dying. It was all happening at the same time. And my dad and I were incredibly close and I lived literally down the street from them. We saw them every day. And I remember, you know, we prayed so hard for my dad And we prayed so hard for Toby, my son. And Toby has actually been healed. I mean, I would I would use that word. We had years of therapy, um, but he had a miraculous outcome. And today is a completely typical, except not typical, because he's brilliant and amazing. Mm. But I mean, what we would call in the special needs world a typical kid, meaning he does not have special needs anymore. So we had this gigantic yes happen in our lives. And my dad died. So we had this gigantic no. Hmm. And it really was just a time period where I learned, like, it doesn't change who God is. Whether my prayers are answered the way I would prefer them to be or not, God sees the bigger picture that we can't see. He knows more than we know. And his character, if it is what he says he is, you know, if he is good and faithful and loving and omniscient, and all-powerful, and totally personal, and all of those things, then I can trust Him. Hmm. You know, whether I understand it or not, I can trust Him. That's really good. Um, I'm curious, you know, we have a special needs ministry at our church, and um, one of the other things I do is I, I help single parents, and there's been this correlation between couples that end in divorce and mm-hmm. um, and the special needs community, how the the rate is so much higher of of yes. you know. So my question is 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 kind of loaded for the person out there that's that's listening that does have a special needs child and and is married. Um, 
what is it that you do with your husband to help reinforce your marriage? Because it, you know, when you, whenever you have a special needs issue, whether it be a kid or just a health issue or whatever, it taxes the relationship. And so it, it can undermine the foundation of a relationship. So what would you say to that person out there that, that is in the middle of that and feeling like, not only do I feel like I'm overwhelmed by handling the special needs, I don't know if this relationship is going to work. What, what can you encourage him with? Oh, that is a big, tough question you just asked. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> uh, and it, and it is, you're not, you're totally correct. This is a huge problem in the special needs world. Um, so I have a couple of thoughts on that. One, um, this <laughs> may make people uh, mad. I feel like I just, like the Lord protected me in my choice of spouse. I, I have an incredible husband and he, loves the Lord. So I would say, you know, choose well, <laughs> yeah. choose somebody with integrity who, who's going to stick with it when things get hard. Um, and I can take zero credit for that. But another thing that I tell people and tell couples is when things aren't as hard, you work hard so that you have some, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, you have something you can coast on a little bit when things really get rough. I mean, we had a time with uh, one of our adopted children. Um, when he came home, he has a heart condition. And we were told right before we traveled that he was probably coming home for hospice, that we were not understanding the severity of his condition. And, and he was very, very ill when we met him. And you know, praise God, he was still operable, but he had a massive heart surgery and we were in the hospital for a month. And, you know, that means I hardly see my husband, right? Because we're, right. we're crossing paths. Like we're literally, tr we would literally pull up in the like drop off lane at the hospital and one of us would run out and jump in the car and someone else would run in to take their turn and the yeah. other one would go home to the other kids, you know? So I didn't see him for a month. I mean, you better have worked on it when you're not in a crisis. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that it's okay. And you know that you can still play on the same team. Um, one thing we say all the time to each other when we're getting, cause you know, when you get stressed and you're, and you're scared, um, you tend to, you, you snipe at the one you love, you know, the oh, yeah. closest people are the ones you take it. Right. And so one of the things that we say to each other often, like if we start getting into that kind of, you know, adversarial conversation, I, I'll, I'll say, you know, Hey, I'm on your team or let's just remember, like hmm. we're in this together. We, you know, this is my fear talking or this is my stress yeah. talking, but I love you. Verbally you affirm. And just stopping to say those things can totally change the tenor of what you're doing. And it reminds you, you, you're doing this together. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. really good advice. Brad, do you have anything um, in closing that you'd like to ask? You know, just a comment. I, as a, in my own personal life, I, I, I had to develop a theology of suffering, if you will, like an understanding that, that God's faithful no matter what I can see or not see in mm -hmm. my life. And I, I would encourage parents uh, to check out this book because if you have special needs and, and you're an adoptive parent and you're in the middle of some kind of fire, which you will be, you're going you're gonna to need encouragement and you're going to need practical help, not just theology, but like a real understanding of how you get through day to day 
Uh, so I, I'm really encouraged by this. Thank you for what you've done. It's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. So we would love to encourage our listeners to check out Jennifer's book. It's called Life's Not Typical, How Special Needs Parenting Changed My Faith and My Song. Jennifer, we're so grateful for you spending a little time with us today. Thank you for your insight and um, and your courage. And I, I especially am warmed by your countenance. You just have this peace, and I can tell that it's authentic. And so it's not just, you know, saying the right things or whatever. I, I can tell that this is really from an authentic place. So we appreciate you sharing your heart with us today. What a sweet thing to say. Thank you. I appreciate that too. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll so talk to you soon. Uh, how would, how would our audience get a hold of you, Jennifer? Where, where are you oh, at online? Yeah, just um, jennifershaw.com. It's two N's and S-H-A-W, jennifershaw.com. And people can email me. I read everything I get. That's just, um, just at info at jennifershaw.com. That's a great way to find me too. And we'll put the links in our show notes uh, for this episode. Again, thank you, Jennifer, for being being with us. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Well, that was such an encouraging uh, conversation, and uh, like I said to her, I could just tell that the things that she's saying are authentic. They're coming from a heart, and you and you can tell. Our mutual friend Tom always says, you know, I don't trust the person unless they walk with a limp, you know, and you can tell that she walks with a limp. Like she's been affected by life, and she's had some hard things thrown her way, and and as a result of that, it has been transformed. And so I um, I love that about her. And there was a lot of great advice, including. You know, <clears throat> again, these statistics for for uh, people go, that go through divorce as parents of special needs is pretty staggering. And just the one little distinction where she's like, I just, we encourage each other to say, hey, listen, we're on the same team. Just those simple words are just, it's a, it's a small little thing, but it's a really good reminder. So I'm, I'm glad that she brought that up. Uh, yeah, there, there were some real nuggets of truth, uh, hard-won wisdom that she shared. And uh, one that I wrote down is, whether I can understand God's plan or not, I know I can trust Him. Mm -hmm. That's a really concise theology of suffering. Um, And I I say those, I keep reminding myself and our audience about the need to have a theology of suffering. Because in in the American church in particular, we've we've got a really well-developed theology of God's blessing. Mm-hmm. And we we understand that, and we really unpack that for a second. What is theology of suffering to you? Yeah, so theology of suffering is is having a a way of identifying and and being engaged with our God when things are not going well. And uh, if your theology of suffering is is absent, you will think He's punishing you. Or you're not, not really there. a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Um, or he's not there. Uh, all the options that you have, if you if you're not careful, are negative. 
And so I find many Christians will disengage from their faith, from other Christians, uh, when things are just perplexing and just unknowable. Mm. And so it's in those moments of persevering and saying to God, I know I can't feel you, I can't see you, but I believe you are there. Those are the moments when we get serious breakthrough as Christians mm. in our faith. And yeah. you can see it in, in yeah. Jennifer's testimony. Yeah. I mean. You definitely can. Well, we're, uh, we're grateful that she spent time with us. I think there's a lot of good insight. Um, the links for getting in touch with her will be in our show notes. But we appreciate you spending time with us this week. And uh, we'll be here again next week. So we hope you can join us then. Brad, any uh, words of wisdom as we as we leave? Well, you know, I just thought it was helpful that she explained why you act the way you do to me. And what's that? She said that people snipe at each other when they love each other. And, and so you get Sometimes. these really aggressive sort of criticisms when your fear is speaking. And so now I understand. I get it. Like, you love me. And when you're snarking on me, it's just your fear speaking. So... I am it's a love language. grateful for that clarification from this interview. Well, I'm glad you got that out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you opened the door. I just walked through. Be sure to leave comments for us, questions that you might have, suggestions that you might have, including we should get rid of Brad, anything like that. You know, Five we're, stars. We're happy to. And, five stars. Uh, because he, he every week solicits to give us five stars. And I'm just saying, do what your heart. You know, one of our producers so, said, why don't we ask for 15 or 12? I mean, why do we have to stop at five? You would say that. Wow. You just want more, it more, more, more. It seemed appropriate to me. I'm just saying that if people are fans and they appreciate the no, wisdom No, you're not. You're saying if people aren't fans, you still want five stars. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So we're going to just ask you to do what your heart uh, leads you to do. And we'll see you here again next week. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. You know, Robert, every parent, every pastor is looking for resources that are new and insightful for their kids. So true. So so where do we go? Well, with the advent of iShineLive.com, we have a web store. And in that web store, we've got resources. Like what? We've got resources like Bibles. We've got devotionals. We even have journals for kids. Do you have music? We do have music. And video? Absolutely. Wow. And everything's been designed for the preteen and tween in your life. Who needs Amazon? iShineLive.com. Check it out. Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product 
call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah. And so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at IRLresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it.